from St. Louis Public Radio. This is St. Louis on the Air. I'm Jade Harrell. About three weeks ago, the Supreme Court overturned Roe v. Wade, ending the federally protected right to abortion. We at St. Louis on the Air are keeping up with local organizers from several sides of the abortion rights issue to keep you informed about their next steps. Later in the week, we will speak with organizers who celebrate the overturning of Roe v. Wade. But today, we speak with abortion rights supporters. Here with me now is Brianna Chandler, a student organizer at WashU, who you just heard lead a chant at the end of the abortion abortion rights protest on the day the court overturned Roe v. Wade. Welcome, Brianna. Thank you. I'm really excited to be here. Glad to have you. Also here is Kennedy Moore, a reproductive freedom organizer with Pro-Choice Missouri. Nice to meet you, Kennedy. Thank you so much. Thank you both. Well, let's begin by getting a sense of your work and how you've come to where we are today in the conversation. Uh, Brianna, who do you work with and how do you engage in the activism that you are are fighting for, that you're working for? Yes, so to give a brief overview, I began um, organizing in the college sphere my freshman year with the River City Climate Collective, which was then known as Sunrise St. Louis. And we really talked about climate justice, not just about being climate activists, but really leaning into the justice side and having those conversations with my peers and other organizers really helped me begin to see how a lot of these issues are intersected. So it's not just racial justice. It's not just gender justice. It's about all these issues and how um, they're affected by um, I guess, overlapping and intersecting power structures. So um, from then on, I went to work with a group called WashU Students for Abolition, which worked really around um, issues of like police brutality and police uh, violence and the prison industrial complex, just having those difficult conversations, those important conversations. And then over the past year, we transformed into a group called Students for Black and Palestinian Liberation. And right now we're just seeing where we're going to go next. Um, And I I was talking to Kenny about it earlier, but I'm kind of a floater. I just try to be there whenever (laughs) people need uh, some support or an extra organizing mind. It sounds like you're you're ready for the call when it comes. Uh, What ignited activism for you? Wow. Um, In the beginning. Yes. So. I have been very privileged and lucky to attend Catholic schools my entire life, but I am a low-income student. I'm there um, by the grace of God and financial aid and scholarships. And so being able to kind of see both sides of how people lived in this city and just seeing the segregation, um, that really made me think about, well, what are the root causes of these stark differences? And that's kind of what got me into learning. That's what got me into really wanting to have the difficult conversations with people Um, I think it's a cliche, but it really does all start with conversations, and it really starts with political education, for sure. For sure. Kennedy, let me turn to you then. Uh, Where did activism begin with you? Um, Activism began with me back in 2015 um, at the University of Missouri, Columbia at Mizzou. 
Um, I was a sophomore that year, and I got into, like Brianna, um, activism as a student activist and um, organizing within the collective that was called Concerned Student 1950. And so um, at the time at Mizzou, there was a lot of um, racial, racial incidents going on on campus, um, in addition to the fact that administration was um, being just kind of ignoring and not even um, having statements to say about some of these instances. And so um, that really launched a lot of students into action um, because it just being on Mizzou's campus didn't feel safe. Um, being a black student, being a, a student of color, um, being queer students and don't, you know, don't let you be all of those things at the same time. Um, and so that launched me into being an activist and being trying to organize my community on campus, being in community with some of my classmates and um, really like uh not basking in, but being the fact that we're all in the same place, we're all in the same campus, we're all students of color, and we're all facing um, marginalization on this campus every single day. It sounds that that marginal, marginalization uh, and awareness that you came to began as racial equity issues that you learned about, and then it compelled you to action. What did you learn about how you can have a role, play a role in making change from any position of activism that you now know more maturely? I think what compelled me and what made me feel empowered to speak up was seeing that it wasn't happening. And it's kind of you, when you're in certain envi environments, you can get into the mindset of, well, if no one's going to do it, then that means I have to step up and do it. And also knowing that once one person steps up and is willing to say the tough thing or the scary thing or maybe the thing that people in power don't want to hear, it makes other people feel more confident in coming forward and um, it can have a, a ripple effect. We can talk about that rip ripple effect now as we speak uh, about abortion rights uh, for you, Kennedy, as a reproductive freedom organizer, how does that differ between reproductive freedom, reproductive justice, and abortion rights? What are, what are the distinctions there? Um, so the difference, so reproductive rights, um, or let's let's just I guess bring it back to reproductive health care. Um, reproductive health care is anytime you go to um, a reproductive specialist or a doctor that um, provide services pertaining to um, your reproductive health, okay. whether it be um, a pap smear, birth control, mammogram, Any et cetera, et cetera. Got it. Um, reproductive rights is the idea um, and the ideology that um, we're fighting for just simple legality um, on these things and the ability to to go to the doctor and get a pap smear or go to the doctor and get the birth control of your choosing. Um, whereas reproductive justice in that framework, which was uh, built by black women, is essentially saying that um, it's not just enough to have these things be legal. Do people have really good, do people have access to these things? Is it, do they have to take off a day of work um, to get access to these things or is it simple? Um, so those are the, the differences between 
RJ, reproductive justice and rights. Sure. And you mentioned that justice was started by, by black women, black people. How so? Um, the framework of, of understanding, I think, um, that reproductive justice is not just about repro. It involves um it involves the criminalization of the state because as we're seeing now with some of these laws, um, people are being criminalized for for whatever reproductive outcome that they or choice they decide to make. Um, so I think, yeah. And Brianna, does that resonate with you as well with the distinctions between reproductive freedom, justice, and abortion rights? Absolutely. How would you categorize? Yeah, um, I would definitely agree with all of the definitions that Kennedy gave. And I've really been trying to lean into like learning about history because it's so important to know the history of resistance. And um, the like official term reproductive justice was coined by a group called Sister Song in 1994. And they defined it kind of broadly as the right to have children, the right to not have children, and then to have those children uh, in safe and sustainable communities. Um, and then they went on to say that like an abortion rights or reproductive uh, rights sphere that was led by middle class white women really couldn't protect um, women of color and marginalized women and trans people, right, needs to be about more than just who we see in the mainstream. Um, so yeah, I would definitely agree with Kennedy's definitions and also um, really uh, value that history. Some may feel that we've taken a step backwards when it comes to the landmark ruling that just came down on June 24th. It sounds like there's not a homogeny around abortion rights and that you have another line in this specifically for black and brown people and the impacts of the ruling for them. Do you feel that we've taken steps backward? Um, we have a, a, a few clips and things that we've um, pulled up, but you personally, what do you feel that the landmark ruling has done in setting, setting rights, justice right. backward? Yeah, I think... We've been on a slippery slope for a while, and for me, it goes back to everything we're fighting for in 2020. We were fighting to reduce the power of the police and the surveillance state. And I've, I always say, and I'll continue to say, that if we had been able to make progress on minimizing the harm that the police could do, we wouldn't have to be as concerned about black and brown people seeking abortion care. Um, being criminalized and targeted by the state. And that's just like another example of how these issues of like criminal justice and reproductive justice go hand in hand. They start to overlap. Kennedy, you're, you're nodding your head in yeah, agreement. Absolutely. Uh, tell me where you you agree. Uh, like I, I, one of the things I, I, I forgot uh, in my point last that I just made uh, a couple seconds ago that that people are being criminalized for, for getting or not even getting having miscarriages already. Um, and so what goes hand in hand and even in Texas with SB8, um, these type of laws that are um, instilling a culture of bounty hunting and regular everyday people going out um, and, and getting in people's privacy and people's uh, reproductive and healthcare business to turn them over to the state. So absolutely what every 100 percent with everything Brianna was saying. What is the most challenging thing in your role for you right now? 
My the most challenging thing for me is trying to help people realize that we are not helpless and that there is so much power in community. There's so much power in connections. There's so much power in conversations because we've known for a while, or at least we should have known for a while, that at the end of the day, the state is not going to protect us completely. We as individuals um, as community, we're all that we have. We keep us safe. That's the common like abolitionist saying is that we keep us safe. Um, so I think uh, one of the most challenging things has really been um, helping people lean into that and trust that. And for and for you, before we go to break, real quick, what in your role right now? What is most challenging? I think definitely making sure, like with with reproductive justice. Um, and there's been a shift from from the repro movement back in the day, and people are finally realizing that in this movement, everything, all these social justice issues, are they matter and they interwine. They're intertwined with each other, um, and so we can't just you know just because you don't have a uterus, it's not your problem. It actually is on when you connect everything together. We'll be right back. This is St. Louis on the Air on St. Louis Public Radio. And welcome back. I'm Jade Harrell. We continue our conversation with Brianna Chandler, a student organizer at WashU, and Kennedy Moore, a reproductive freedom organizer with Pro Choice Missouri. We were talking about the intersectionality of issues before break. So I want to go into that a little bit more. We, our production assistant, Avery Rogers, interviewed Martha Garcia at an abortion rights protest in June. Martha, she's a retired teacher in St. Louis, and she's concerned about the political divide in the U.S. Let's take a listen. Uh, this is, this is terrible. This is terrible. I, I mean, if we put this in a perspective of history of uh, I, I mean I, I, I think it, we we are going backwards no matter what uh, we are we are banning books critical thinking now this where we are going my concern is United States how the world is seeing us one of the number one economy of the world, one of the most important, how the world see us. Martha attended a protest to support abortion rights, but she said that the scene around her was filled with people and police officers and the energy there gave her a bad feeling. Yes, I would like to say... I feel bad. I feel bad. I, I, I don't know what I can see. All those policemen, all that. Look at that, how many police. I can see one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. It's horrible. I'm coming from South America, and I can see in South America we see a lot of violence. And I don't know, this right, it made me feel really bad. 
making me feel really sad because we are going backwards. Our history is going backwards. How do you see there's projection forward about the implications of this decision in other areas of social need and justice? How do you see this impacting and spreading into other key areas of our future right now? Brianna? Yeah, um, in the ruling, justices brought up gay marriage and interracial marriage. And um, there's already so much connection between bodily autonomy as it concerns abortion and bodily autonomy as it concerns trans people. And so I see... um, a lot of potential implications as a result of this ruling. And it's really going to be up to people making their voices loud, being really to get up and resist to say to those in power, we will not stand for anything more. I want you to give us back what you took from us. I heard that in in your chant, give us back what you took from us. Was it ever in place in the beginning? We talk about how much history is being undone. This fight has been going on for a while. It seemed like an instant when the ruling became official. But Kennedy, how have your efforts had to focus anticipating the impact beyond uh, reproductive rights and justice? Um, I think thinking about like considering and going off of what Brianna was saying, the other implications that, you know, come with with the fall of Roe in that decision, as well as some of the other Supreme Court decisions that came out, like really right now, I I fear for our right to privacy. And, and that's why like, um, you know, when I talk to people and they are like, well, uh, this isn't a, a issue that concerns me. And it's like our right to privacy, like this decision was based in right to privacy. So, you know, that this is just repro, but then there's surveillance. We're already dealing with cybersecurity and those type of things. Um, you know, what is what is next, really? Samuel, Justice Samuel Alito said that Roe was egregiously wrong from the start and that the reasoning was ex- exceptionally weak. There's nothing written in there about our uh, rights to privacy, surveillance, um, personal autonomy, body autonomy, and those things. Where are they missing, if you disagree, what's egregiously wrong? Was it asking for the right or the right being unavailable or inaccessible? How would you address that statement or have probably, Kennedy? I haven't. I I haven't. That is something definitely to think I about. I mean, that was yeah. what went into the room. Yeah. Uh, what about you, Brianna? Yeah, I would. I would have to agree. Agree there. I think when when anything comes out of the mouth of a, of a Supreme Court justice, I just think about um, all the lobbying that goes into the things they say and what they do, and all the like other influences and people whispering in their ear and the money. So just, um, yeah, it's it's a loaded statement to respond to. For sure. The money is a necessary part of your conversation. I would assume that fundraising and resources are needed to continue your efforts. How are you going about those efforts 
Yeah. Um, so right now I am not uh, a leader of my campus's chapter of Planned Parenthood Generation Action, but I know <clears throat> that they do plan on doing fundraising to support students and getting some of the care that they need. And I think the fact that like we are fundraising from the community just really goes back to the point that it is us who keeps us safe, that we keep us safe. Where do you think resources should be applied? What is the greatest need? There's probably a ton of things in motion at this point. Definitely. I I definitely, the top thing I always suggest is um, finding, if you don't live in Missouri, Missouri has a a Missouri abortion fund um, that you can donate to um, to to make sure that people get access to that care, as well as if you don't live in Missouri, um, you can look outside of your state. I'm pretty sure that most states, I'm, I don't want to um, say the wrong thing, but I'm, I'm pretty sure almost all 50 states have an abortion fund um, to help people access that care. Beyond funds, what is your encouragement for people who also are supporting abortion rights and justice to do in this moment? Um, honestly, like I well, pro-choice Missouri, we are we're we're building local power to protect abortion access while um, on a national level and on a state level, um, it seems like our rights are being taken and they are. Um, we're trying to build power by building our members and educating people on abortion access in Missouri um, and that abortion is safe um, in as well as the fact that you can be a part of our movement if you aren't already. Um, You can go on our website, ProChoiceMissouri.org, and take our pledge to rebuild abortion access there. And Brianna, what would you encourage other supporters to do in this moment? Where is it? Yeah, I would encourage people to lean into community and lean into political education, have those conversations, find like your protest, find your action buddies, right? Get people who you know are going to have your back and that you can go take action with. Uh, learn about our rich history of resistance. There were some, pardon my French, badass people doing some badass things back in the day and we definitely still are. Learn about the Jane Collective, learn about Sister Songwriter, learn about what we're doing to keep, it, we, to keep each other safe um, before all this. Thank you both for the encouragement and education and for sharing your perspectives and what you're going to do from this point on. Uh, Thank you, Brianna Chandler and Kennedy Moore for joining us today. Brianna is a student organizer at WashU and Kennedy Moore, a reproductive freedom organizer with Pro-Choice Missouri. St. Louis on the Air is a production of St. Louis Public Radio. Understanding starts here. Our podcast proudly supports St. Louis artists by using music from Life Creative Group. Do you find yourself regularly listening to episodes of St. Louis on the Air? Suggest us to a friend you think might enjoy our conversations. And leave us a review and rating on Apple Podcasts on the App Store. It's the simplest way to help people discover our show. Thanks. St. Louis Public Radio is a member-supported service of the University of Missouri-St. Louis.
Support comes from the Missouri Forest Products Association. Missouri produces wood pallets, railroad ties, white oak barrels, hardwood floors, and more. Details on the variety of products made in the state are at ChooseWood.com.